0: All right. Watch this. First of all, I want you to come in agreement with me. We've had several people that were operating the prophetic saying that the witches are praying against this and that there may be some people. You may be in this room right now and you will closet it witch. and you in here tonight to try to bring your witchcraft. I want you to know already right now before we go any further, you done been found out come on and the, and the, whatever that witch is doing out there the covens praying against what god is going to do we're breaking that thing right now come on y'all begin to pray right now we bind the, every witch in hell we bind every spirit of witchcraft we bind it we say nothing shall stop this conference there shall be no incidences whatsoever except the glory of god revealed in this place freedom everybody shout freedom well, was that enough? Did you take a long enough? I don't need to take a long time. I got authority. I got power. I spoke the name of Jesus, and witches have got to bow to the name of Jesus. I wish I had a church that would help me preach on the opening night of Elevate Conference. All right. I want you to get ready. If you want to raise your hands, put your hands out. Look like, do one of those kind of things like carrying the TV. Wax on, wax off, whatever. Just do one of them things. Make yourself ready to receive something. You ready? God told me to speak some things over you. To speak some things into you. I want you to know right now, I'm going to speak some things into you, and then you're going to speak some things about you. Are you ready? Let me just go ahead and tell you right now. If you didn't know where you were at, first of all, you at Solid Rock Church. Second of all, you at Elevate Conference. And we are not worried about the time. For three nights of your life, can you not sacrifice? Watch this. If you don't even get to go to sleep tonight, you will function better tomorrow than if you slept for 10 hours. So get your mind off of getting out of here and get your mind on getting everything in here. Are you ready? I speak that tonight, Thursday night, Friday night, and beyond this night shall be markers in your life. I declare, not preacher talk. You will never be the same. I want to say it again. You will never be the same. For those that came expecting, you will never be the same. I need a water up here. I, d- I speak every sickness in your body will be healed. Thank you. I got it, brother. Thank you. We'll be healed. Somebody shout, I'm healed. I speak every sickness in your body will be healed. Do you receive it? I call out every demon that's ever tormented you, caused you to leave sleep at night, tormented your children. I bind that devil in the name of Jesus. I, I, I take authority in the name of Jesus over every tormenting spirit. I bind depression over you. I bind anxiety over you. I bind the spirit of stress over you. Any mental illness or attack is broken in the name of Jesus. Shall I receive it? now I speak to your spirit man Delane said it I'll say it again you are a voice and not an echo you have not been called to echo and reverberate and regurgitate and puke back up what the world is saying about the condition of the world and what the world is saying about you you are to speak as a voice crying in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the Lord You will cast out devils. You will not bring devils to me to cast out. You will cast out devils. You are led by the Spirit. Therefore, you are a son of God. You are a praiser. You are a worshiper. No one has to work you up. You come in expecting. From this point forward, no one asks you to praise. No one asks you to clap. No one asks you to dance. You will dance before the Lord with all your might. Because as Pastor Frankie said tonight, you will dance like it could be the last time you ever get to dance. You will shout like it's the last time you ever get to shout. You will praise like it's the last time you will ever get to praise. Now, somebody say I receive it. I ain't preaching yet. I ain't preaching yet. Now, you're going to say some things about over yourself. World changer, Kaylee. You are blessing. I remember the first time I met you. I remember sitting in that Mexican restaurant. How many knows? those don't care who you are, where you go and preach? Preacher going to eat Mexican. All right, I've ate Mexican with almost every preacher in this house. But you probably too young. Don't even remember sitting in that In that restaurant, after that youth service, I could see that little girl, a little red-headed girl, turn to a mighty woman of God. I'm so excited to see you on that front row. I just want to say that to you. I love to see young people on fire for God. Can I get an amen? All right, raise your hands right now. Speak up, and I'm going to get into this thing. Repeat after me. I am not at a church service. I am the church. I am not at a church service. Listen closely. I am the service of the church. see some of y'all too worried about the church service when God's called you to be the service of the church say this with me I am NOT left over after the pandemic I am chosen I am the remnant prophesied in the Bible I will not wait for someone else to do what I'm called to do I am anointed I am called I am chosen I take ownership of this moment, I have been trusted by my God for this moment. I will not take one moment for granted ever again. I am chosen for this moment. Now give the Lord a shout one more time. Come on, that. Come on, that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah high-five, fist bump, head butt, whatever, somebody. Sit down and get ready because you're going to be standing up a lot tonight. If you hear something that you like, shout amen. If you hear something that changes you and stirs you, stand up and shout. Well, we don't do that in our church. You're not at your church. You're at Solid Rock Church. We stand up at Solid Rock Church. We shout at Solid Rock Church. We dance. We dance at Solid Rock Church. We speak in tongues at Solid Rock Church. We prophesy, Solid. Now, I say this humbly, but I want to say this. I'm not talking to you tonight as Pastor Larry Ragland. I'm not talking to you as Bishop Larry Ragland. As Delane said, I didn't know he was going to say that. I speak to you with a prophetic anointing. I speak to you with an apostolic anointing. Tonight, I call you out. Tonight, I send you. Oh, it's getting quiet already. Tonight, you, you will leave knowing that this Elevate conference is different than any of the 28 years that we've been doing this. It's different. It's not preacher talk. Oh, I'm not preaching a sermon. Oh, it's time to shift and get into another gear and all that kind of stuff. I love that. I preach that. I'm, this is not a preacher point and a preacher statement. If you think it is, you will miss the moment. You will have lied to yourself when you just said that you will not miss this moment. This is not a conference. This is an encounter with God. My assignment tonight. I wondered why God had me to preach at camp meeting. I've not preached at one of our camp meetings in how many years. Why is it God? Why did you have me to open up? Why do you want me to preach at this conference? Because I'm just as happy, in fact, more happy than sitting on that front row bringing in a voice, a five-fold ministry voice to speak. But just today, I already knew it, but just today, God spoke to me some things. And He said, you had to be the one because you are the father of that house. And I've walked with you through some things and I've promised you some things and I've said some things to you that you have not seen come to pass. But I have not forgotten what I said to you. I have not forgotten what I promised you. My answers were yes and amen then and my answers are yes and amen now. Understand, this is what He spoke to me. You are about to receive... And this is a word I want to speak to those that's been in ministry because God told me when you say this tonight tell them that this is a word for them as much as it is a word for me that your former I mean your latter shall be greater than your former that you shall have more energy in your 60s than you had in your 30s. You will see greater success in one year than you saw in 15 years. You'll see more souls saved in one week than you saw saved in a year. Demonic forces, because I'm going to do a little preaching tonight. I'm going to preach. I'm going to shout. I may run. I may dance. But I'm also going to teach tonight because I'm on assignment. If I need to stop and break some things down, will you stay awake? And if I look angry up here, I'm not angry. I'm actually very, very happy right now. I'm extremely happy. I'm just determined. And I'm on a mission. Demonic forces have felt empowered in this moment. They have come out of hiding. The cockroaches no longer hide when the light is turned on because the light that's turned on is not the right light. We have a world now that has been illuminated. They got illumination instead of revelation. They want, they've been enlightened to the spirit realm. You can't even do a Google search on spirit or spirit realm. I'm trying to find something to put on my show, on my YouTube show, of some kind of fire, something of the Holy Ghost, and i got to go through 10 pages of some Eastern mysticism yoga, somebody sitting in a yoga position with their hands like this, talking to Buddha for 3 and 4 and 5 pages on Google before I ever get to anything about the Holy Ghost. This world has got smarter phones, but we're dumber. We're more spiritual, but we don't have any spirit. Demons. No, They used to try to attack our children in secret and unveil references. But now they're wide open. They stand in our classrooms with our children. They bring drag queens in to read stories, pornographic stories to our kindergartners while we sit back and just shake our head and wonder how did it get in this place the enemy will only ever be able to do what god and god's people allow him to do you didn't hear me cuz you don't want to take ownership of the moment you want to take ownership of revival you want to take ownership of healing you want to take but you don't want to take ownership of the fact that we have let this happen i'm preaching better than you're shouting That's not condemnation. That's not guilt. But I remember a long time ago when I was a kid being told, you don't ever really know you need a savior unless you know you're a sinner. Why would you call on the Lord to forgive you of something that you didn't even think you did? Is this microphone still working? The church, the pulpit is responsible. Storms are raging. They're catching us by surprise. Oh, we were going our way, going on our own way, 28, not 2018, 2019, right here on this platform. We debuted this platform in October of 2019. We had it ready. We were ready. We were ready for explosion in this house. We were ready to be a voice in this house. We brought in the voice that's been speaking into my life since 1991. Walking across this platform, had to pinch myself to make myself not know that I wasn't dreaming. Rod Parsley got up here and preached for almost two solid hours. Perry Stone, Clint Brown, having no idea that just in a matter of months, a storm would hit this nation in this world, and we, as a church, oh, don't come tell me this mess that you saw it coming. You, you might have prophesied that things were going to get dark, and I guarantee you did. You did not see coming what came in 2020. You didn't see it. If you did, I wouldn't tell nobody because we're all going to be wondering why you didn't tell us. Or am I preaching good? We were blindsided. There was a storm that came up out of nowhere. And water began to fill the boat. The boat being the church. And it looked like we were going down. We were shut down, y'all. We were shut down in this very sanctuary. For nine straight weeks, it was me and nine other people. I preached to an entire empty sanctuary. People felt sorry for me and I come in here the next week and they had printed out pictures of about 50 or 60 of our people and taped them on the back of the chairs so that I could at least see the faces of the people. It did help. Jesus, I'm going to go through this thing and I'm going to preach a little bit tonight. Jesus never said or did anything by chance? He was an intent. He was intentional in everything he did. Every word that proceeded out of his mouth, even if it don't make sense. If you read some of oh, it, I don't makes sense. why did he say that there? Why did it don't make any kind of sense? It makes sense. It just didn't make sense to many generations before this one. There are things that are happening and understanding in this generation that no other generation had the ability to understand. Daniel was writing about the final generation. And God told him to stop writing. Seal up the book until the days that people will run to and fro. They will will be unstable in all their ways. But in the midst of that, knowledge shall increase. And when that generation gets here and knowledge increases, knowledge will increase in that generation. And I will open the book and revelation will come. And things will be seen in scriptures that have been hidden in plain sight. Can I get anybody in this house? Not adding to the word, not taking away, not putting a word there to make it say what you want to say. Just reading the text and seeing, oh my Lord, what? It's been there all along. But it was only the generation of the moment, of the remnant, that would get some of the things that we are getting. We're no better than the other ones. We're just the last. Oh, you didn't hear me. You think we're better than, you think we got more authority and anointing in us than Smith Wigglesworth? You think, you think you're more anointed than All Roberts? You think you've got a burden for souls bigger than Billy Graham? But they're not here. They're with the Lord. But we are. And I don't know why he did it. I don't know what he sees in us. I don't know I don't see the big picture when it comes to this. I can't see the end because I'm not God. But I do know this, Pops. I do know this. Me and you are still here. I do know this. When we sit in that omelet shop and I ask you to be my daddy, and you said I'll be your daddy. I knew that God knew this moment was coming. I knew he knew it. I want you to know something about storms. Storms are unexpected to us. But they are not unexpected to God. Storms scare us. Storms move us. We have certain things we do to get out of the storm. God is not worried about a storm. I want you to hear something. And I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to read some scriptures to you. Because I don't have time to read them all. But there was a time when Jesus was talking to His disciples and the people and the multitudes, and He was teaching about faith. He was teaching about great faith. And He said, let me tell you something about great faith. You want to understand what how much faith you really need to move me? He reaches over and pulls out the tiniest seed of them all. You know where I'm going. What's it called? A mustard seed. And He says, do you see this mustard seed? It's the tiniest of all seeds. But when you put it in the ground, and you and you fertilize it, and you water it, and you wait. That little tiny seed will become a tree that the branches will shoot out, and it will become a refuge. It will become a covering to where even the birds that are tired from flying will come and get up underneath the, the limbs. The animals will take shelter. But it all starts with a tiny little seed. So he preached that. And this is in the book of Mark. And he, when he preached that, he began to explain it to his disciples. And he said, Look, how I many know sometimes God has to show us and we learn more when he shows us things than sometimes even when we read it in the Bible. Coming up, we could, we could read it in the Bible and it's, it's affecting us. But when God confirms his word with signs following, are you hearing me? We don't forget what the Word said. A man with an argument is always at the mercy of a man with an experience. If my God, if the God's word said, you shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Well, if all I ever knew was just reading that and it was just words on a book, I would still try my best to believe it. But if God, if I, God ever moved on me to lay my hands on a blind man and the blind man could see, I promise you, I'd never read that scripture the same way again. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'd never read it again the same way because I and nobody. Nobody. Nobody would ever be able to take it from me. They could could try to argue this and argue that and throw the scripture out and throw that scripture out. All I'm going to come back with is like the blind man when Jesus spit and put the mud on his eyes and he stood before the priest. He said, I don't know if he's who he says he is or not. All I know is I once was blind, but now I see. I'll just tell you right now. All I know is I laid my hands on the sick and they recovered. I'm almost through with my introduction. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. He says, okay, okay, okay. I I know you got the cute little story I gave you about the seed. We'll finish this conversation later. We need to go somewhere. And he moves in Mark right out of the story of the mustard tree. And the Bible says he gets in a boat. Are y'all hearing me? Mark chapter 4. Straight from the mustard tree in the mustard seed. And the Bible says Mark chapter 4 verse 35. On the same day. Everybody said the same day. The same day. In other words, he's still in the altar call. He's still in the life application part of the message preaching class if you're in here. Some of y'all smiling at me. Because we just talked about it last night in Bible calling. On the same day when the evening has come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Somebody shout the other side. He didn't say let us get in the boat. He said, I need you to get in the boat with me and let us go to the other side. Are you with me? Shout, I'm with you. Now, when they had left the multitude, and I'm going to show you something that a lot of people skip right over. They took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. Nobody preaches about the other little boats. Because listen to me. When you are with Jesus. And when Jesus has done what Jesus has done. You can't just get in the boat and leave. People are going to try to get wherever Jesus is going. And I've got news for right now. Those guys were not in those little boats for the disciples. They were in those little boats for Jesus. They wanted to be where Jesus was. Delane said it earlier. No, you're not. You did not even discern. The moment you missed the time of your visitation, you didn't even realize. Oh, I love that one scripture says, all I know is, I don't know if they're everything they're supposed to be, but I could tell that they had been with Jesus. Come on, somebody. Amen. How many knows? Well, you could just tell when somebody has been with Jesus. So Jesus gets in the boat. And without thinking about it, a bunch of other people get in smaller boats. And they're following him. We forget all about those other people when we get back in the story. And a great windstorm arose and waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling up with water. But, somebody shout but. Sometimes you need to get your butt out of the way, but sometimes you need to get your butt back in. And I like it when Jesus brings his butt. Come on, what are y'all thinking? I like it when Jesus, when you say, yeah, yeah, we're in a pandemic and the whole world shut down. Jesus says, but. Are y'all hearing me? The doctor told me I got, I got throat cancer. Mm -hmm, Yeah, he did. But. Somebody shout, but God. Oh, it ain't sacrilegious. Somebody shout, Jesus, bring your butt. Because when Jesus brings his butt, he always follows it with God. But God. Oh, they're coming after my car. But God. Oh, I'm preaching good. You told me you wanted some tweetable moments. There's your one right there. Tell Jesus to bring his butt. in the stern the back of the boat he was doing what he was asleep wait a minute that ain't that, that would have been enough to shock you but he was not just asleep in the boat he was asleep in the boat on a what do you understand fishermen boats don't have pillows. Especially in the days of Jesus, nobody went out fishing with a pillow. So how did it get there? Jesus grabbed it and brought it with him. Because he knew what was about to happen and he knew he was tired and he was not moved by what was coming. He was prepared to go to sleep when he got on the boat. He knew this is my only shot to get some rest because the moment I get off of this boat, all them little boats are going to want me to pray for them. everybody where I go. I got to get back to work. So I'm going to get on this boat and I'm going to get me some rest. Jesus brought his own pillow. Am I preaching good? So the the boat starts filling full of water. And if that boat was filling full of water, and that was a big boat, because it was big enough to have Jesus and all the disciples. What was going on with those little boats? Some of them may have already went under. We don't know. We don't know. We don't get the rest of the story. Paul Harvey didn't write that. Only old people get that joke. Only old people. So they said, where is Jesus? He was right here. We got the, book. he's the one that told us to get boat. Where is he? Somebody spoke up. I don't know. Jesus. Jesus. Everybody be quiet. Everybody be quiet. I told y'all the other day we don't like to think about Jesus snoring. Don't like to think about Jesus having to sneeze. We don't like to think Jesus is going to take a poop. But he had to take a poop. He had to go see a man by the dog. Are y'all hearing me? He was in a body. He didn't eat fish, and fish just disintegrated inside his belly. They had to come out. And my preacher brought say, Amen. Making you think about Jesus. They found him asleep. They said, Watch this, teacher. They didn't wake him up. They just wake him up and say, hey, we need you to pray for us. It's got a situation. They woke him up saying, don't you even care? Do you not care that we are perishing? This was an insinuation that Jesus had no idea what was going on. Do you know that even though the body of Jesus was sleeping, he was still God? His body might have been snoring, but the spirit of Jesus, the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us, knew exactly what was going on. He was still teaching about the mustard seed. Are y'all hearing me? So this great windstorm arose and the waves beat against the boat. They were going down. And when I studied this, I found something very interesting. Of course, I thought of Delane. He's going to love this. The the word windstorm in the Greek is the same word to use to describe the wind, Eurocladon, in Acts 27. It's the same wind. It's the same word. It's not Eurycladon, but when it said there was a tempestuous wind that arose named Euroclodon that that made the shipwreck of Paul happen in Acts 27, was the same word. In other words, this was not just a storm. Because this was a storm that could have shredded, and only my people would like that joke, shredded that boat and every little boat around there. Here's why I don't believe anybody drowned on that day, because we would have heard about it. Somebody would have talked about it when they got out of the boat. I think they all made it because they were all following Jesus, and Jesus knew it was going on. So this ain't no little storm. This is the same word you used to describe. And do you understand that tempestuous wind, urocladon means, when you look it up, gale force winds, on the level of hurricane forced winds. A storm. We, we think about it in a movie. We think about just the waves rocking a little bit and a little bit of thunder. No. This was a hurricane. This was a storm of storms. Sent. Now watch this. God didn't send it. But God knew it was coming. How many knows God can take something that He didn't even send and use it like He sent it? Y'all get that later. Because remember that thing about all things don't work to the good, by the way. All things do not work to the good. But you have somebody standing right here and another person standing right here and the same storm hit them. All things ain't going to necessarily work to the good of this one. But if this one loves God and is called according to His purpose, the same storm that took Him out will take Him up. I wish I had a church that would shout like you were at Elevate Conference. Oh, you're saving all your shouts for Miles and Clint. That's just old air. That's just old air up there. We get that every Sunday. This was a storm. Ladies and gentlemen, we were not hit by a virus. We were not hit By some, not even a pandemic. We were hit with a well orchestrated, well funded, well planned, demon inspired, Lucifer anointed storm. Meant to take us out. Meant to take the church under. Meant to finally silence our voice. We are the only Delane said it. My God, I kept thinking he's going to preach my sermon. I got to get him off the stage. We are the restraining force. People say, is the the Antichrist alive today? Probably. If we're the last generation, he probably is. Will we know who he is? I'm not here to debate eschatology, but let me tell you where I go, where I lean. If I'm going to err on something, I'm going to err on the side of favor. If I'm going to err on something, I'm going to err on the side of grace. If I'm going to err on the side, I'm going to err on the side of God not coming down here and suffering and dying so that I can have to suffer again. I know that the Bible said he's reserved his judgment for his enemies. And I'm going to tell you something. You can say whatever you want to say, but this is my pulpit and my microphone. And I'm going to say it tonight. I believe the Antichrist might be alive. And he may want to reveal himself. But he can't reveal himself. Because there's still somebody in the boat. Hallelujah. There's still somebody. There's still a voice. There's still a people. There's still a remnant. He'll show up once we're gone. But baby, we're still here. If the Antichrist wants to show up tonight, I'd cast the devil out of it. Let me see, it, Let me see it. Y'all needed that anyway. I wish the Antichrist would show up. Do you understand the power that's in this room? Do you understand the authority that's in this room? I wish the devil tried to put a mark on me right now. There's 70- and 80-year-old grandmas that ain't never preached a word in their life or stand up and point a crooked, arthritic finger in his face and tell that devil to come out. I'm going to set this off to the side. you know why Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat two reasons number one he had the best view of everybody in the boat he was asleep but the God part of the God man Jesus was watching his disciples if they were getting what he had been teaching I'm sure he was disappointed by what he saw but you know what else He was watching those other boats too, I believe that. But another reason he's in the back of the boat is because when you're in a storm, you're not worrying about steering, right? How many members when Paul was, was in the ship and he kept trying to warn them, kept trying to warn them, the storm got worse and worse and worse. And the Bible said eventually, they just let it go. They just let it ride, didn't they? They just said wherever, we can't fight it anymore. This shiroclodon is so powerful, we just got to let the wind take us wherever it's got to take us. So at some point, nobody's thinking about God in the ship. Nobody's thinking about, what's that thing called? The rudder. Nobody's thinking about the rudder. People's bailing water out, freaking out, screaming. Nobody's steering the ship. Oh, but wait a minute. Somebody is steering the ship. Because we're about to find it out, that's not just a metaphor. That's not just a a, a a sermon point. We're about to. I'm about to show you that while he was asleep, he was literally driving the ship. Now, they woke him up in the storm. How many knows if you're going to be in a storm, if you're going to be in a eurycladon? Don't you want to be in a boat with Jesus? Huh? How many knows you there's all kinds of boats uh, of Buddhism that you can get in and, and Krishna and Allah and you can get in Eastern mysticism and you can get in many paths to God and you can get in the gay boat, you can get in the 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 I don't know why how the gay boat came out. You can get in the gay boat, you can get in the lion boat, you can get all these boats that's floating around you everywhere you go, people's trying to throw you in these boats. Would, that wasn't hate speech, okay? I'm not mad at somebody that's gay. I'm just trying to tell you. All I know is if I ever have a conversation about somebody about even praying for somebody that's battling with the sin of homosexuality, I get on my Facebook and every single ad on my Facebook book is two men making out because Facebook thinks that I'm now gay. It's quiet. If I'm going to be in a boat, if I'm going to be in a storm, I'm going to be in the one that said I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let me tell you, I'm going to be in a boat where... where Here's how you got to know that you need to be in the boat with Jesus. He gets up. He wakes up. Drop. Seriously. they look at his face he's so calm heaven knows Jesus is not moved by storms Jesus is not can I be honest with you he's not even moved by you he's not moved by what's happening to you he's not moved that something bad happened to you something bad's happening all over the world right now you think what is happening to you is bad let me pick you up, put you on a plane, fly you to Africa. Let me fly you to South America. Let me fly you to some some Muslim countries. Set you down in there, and then ask, then go back and wonder if what you think bad has happened to you right now is bad. You're spoiled. Jesus loves you and has compassion, but what moves God is faith. Are you hearing me? What moves God is faith. So he stands up and he says, it's, I'm still preaching, by the way. Y'all don't know it. If, if he'd have been at Solid Rock Church, he'd have probably said, hey, I'm closing. I promise. Close the number seven. How many give me five minutes? Peter, oh, okay, I'll give you five. There's five, ten, fifteen. 15. He's still preaching. He says, okay, you don't know this, but it's time for life application. It's time to show you the sermon that I just preached, how it works in your real life. He arose in the midst of the storm, standing. He wasn't walking on the water in the boat. The water was up on his knees, standing in the middle of the water on the boat, sinking. He didn't rebuke those that was in fear. He didn't rebuke anybody on any boat. He said, I'm about to show you who the enemy is. I'm about to show you who you have authority over. Because remember, he consistently said, these things that you see me doing, you shall also do. And greater shall you do if I go to my father. He says, if you see me do what I'm about to do, then I've called you to do it too. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. Oh, but that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Yeah, let me remind you of something. Jesus never did one thing on this earth except be born of a virgin and die sinless on the cross as God who happens to be man. He did everything as a man who happened to be God. So that when He did it, we could never throw it up into His face and say, yeah, we can't do that because, you know, you're God. He'd say, yeah, you're right, I am God. But when I did that, I did it as man. So when what's about to happen that you know already before I read it, instead of equating it only happening because it was Jesus, remember that it was a teaching moment for Jesus. He was in charge, y'all. He was not surprised. So he stands up. He says, Y'all watch this. And he rebukes the wind. He says to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased.
1: And there was a great calm.
0: But he said to them
1: now, Now let me ask you a question. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have
0: no fear? What did he just teach about? Faith. He said, all you needed was this. Forget about all y'all doing it. I just needed one of you. You had the ability, I gave it to you. And if you don't even think you had the ability and the Holy Ghost had not been poured out yet, here's the good news. I'm in the boat with you. And I would have backed whatever you did. Where is the mustard seed faith? Where is your faith? This is what faith does. This is not just what I do. I'm doing this through faith to show you that you can do this as well. How many knows we may have never been in the Sea of Galilee in a boat rocking and rolling with a Urochidon going down, but we have been through some storms. How about this? How about we be finally become a generation that we ain't got to wait, hold on, hold on to Sunday morning? is if I could just get to church, I'll get Pastor Larry to pray, lay hands on me. I'll just get the man of God. If I could just get a hold of an elder. If I could just, if he just answer a stupid text. Yeah. If I could just get somebody to answer me and help me and pray. This is bigger than me. This is greater than me. Yeah, it's bigger than you. It's greater than you. And the reason you can't get a hold of nobody, and the reason God shut the door down so that you can't get any help it's god wants you to stand up in the boat god wants you to speak to the ocean god wants you to speak to the wind you've got authority in the name of jesus but we didn't do that we got hit by a storm called COVID 19 but COVID 19 was not the storm it was the name that was put on it by systems and governments to hide and to masquerade what it really was. Now, I don't know if you believe me, and I don't care if you believe me. But what I'm telling you is fact. Fact. That storm that hit us in early 2020 that lasted for two and a half years and some people are still bound up by it had one goal it wasn't to destroy America although it almost did and is doing in other countries around the world it wasn't about taking your freedom away from you in the Constitution some of you are more determined To post videos, share videos of people talking about the freedoms that you're losing in America when you have absolutely foregone any responsibility of the freedoms that you have gained at the cross. and an empty tomb. You ought to fight for your freedom. You ought to fight for the freedoms that your constitution has given you. But I got something greater than the constitution are y'all hearing me this was around before america was around this is not a republican this is not a democrat it was here before any nation on this earth and the word of god will be sustained after we are all burning up and gone love your country but don't love your country more than you love jesus if you do, you've made your country your God. Now here's what's so amazing. Everything calms down. When he speaks with authority. I don't it's it's hindsight now. I preached a sermon series, and it's a really cool sermon series to preach in twenty twenty one. It was called Hindsight is Twenty Twenty. Because I preached about the things, the lessons learned, and the mistakes that we made. We can't go back and change it. We made mistakes. Can we own that? Can we own that? But if you think for a moment, Kelly, I know you know this. Church, if you think for a moment, that was the last storm. If you think for a moment that was the biggest storm, you have not read the Bible. It's going to get much, much worse, Shorty, than better in the world. If you ain't got Jesus in your boat, oh, you, you rode this storm out. You're still here. I am remnant. I am remnant. But if we're not careful, the remnant who is still a part of the remnant will be so proud to say I'm the remnant that they will miss what the remnant is supposed to do. And they will become exactly what you say that you're the remnant they came out of. Organized religion. This is good preaching tonight. See, y'all thought y'all was going to get a patty cake and then come back and get the big dogs tomorrow night. Y'all getting a word tonight. Somebody shout, Preacher on, Preacher! Not only was it a small storm, it was not a chance storm. The storm did not arise because it was just time for a storm. Sometimes storms come because of meteorological things that happen. But sometimes storms come with an agenda. And this storm had an agenda. This storm was not to just take down the boat of the disciples. Because you've got to understand, the devil knows a lot about the Word, but one thing the devil is not, the devil is not big picture. He doesn't have the perspective of God. He sort of knew who Jesus was, but he... And even if he did know that he was the promise of the garden, he still didn't really grasp what was coming. He knew the prophecy. He tried to kill every prophet ever known to man up until then because every prophet that rose up and spoke against him, he must be the seed of the woman. And he killed him. But he knew when he fought him in the wilderness, this is probably him. So he thought, if I can take him down with his disciples, in the midst of the Sea of Galilee, not only will I take down Him crushing my head, but I'll take down the whole movement. Because I've watched Him spend His personal time with those men. I've often said the greatest thing that Jesus ever did, of course is widely known, that He would live a sinless life and die on the cross for our sins, come back from the grave on the third day, and make a way for us to be forgiven. But I've also often said that the second greatest thing that he ever did was take his vision and sit around a campfire and pour it in to 12 men. Because if he wouldn't have done that, if they would have not finally got it, even if they didn't get it when they were with him, even if they didn't even get it after the resurrection, even if they didn't get it until the upper room, they got it. And because they got it, we get it. We get to get it. Because they got it. It was... was I'm going to say something that's going to sound sacrilegious and I'm, and I'm coming down on the backside of this mountain. But I'm going to say something that some of you ain't going to know how to handle. It was not as important. Please understand. It was not in, as important as Him coming to die for our sins. But to Jesus on this earth, when He walked on this earth for three and a half years, it was almost important as important to Him for them to get it. As it was for Him to go to the cross. Because He knew because of the dominion that He had gave man in the garden, it was going to absolutely be up to men and women to carry on the message of the kingdom once he went and sat at the right hand of the Father. He knew oh I could just stay out of the way I could just go to the cross right now I could just go ahead and be beaten take the straps on my back for their healing and finish this thing. But that's why he took three and a half years. That's why he took it. He didn't take it for the blind man. He didn't take it for Lazarus. Oh my God I feel the Holy Ghost. He didn't take it for blind Bartimaeus. He didn't take it for Mary Magdalene. Although he did for each of them when they came into his life because everyone is important but those three and a half years the things that he did for Mary Magdalene the demons that he cast out the mud on the eyes of the blind man they were all for those individuals but they were also so that those disciples could see how it's done and so that we could have a Bible to see how it's done 2,000 years later am I preaching Now I'm into my sermon. Twenty-eight years ago, yes, Sunday. Twenty-eight years ago, this past Sunday, October 2nd, the grand, excuse me, the Godfather. That's your new name. The Godfather of the house. Preached right here just a few days ago. That was 28 days, 28 years to the day that we began our church. October 2nd, 1994 is when we began our church. This past Sunday was October 2nd,
1: 1994.
0: Do you know what that October 2nd, I mean, 2022, do you know what October 2nd, 2022 was? At some time, do you remember Delaney, about what time it was that morning? It was something like 1034. At around 1034 a.m. on this past Sunday morning, I walked on this platform with a shofar in my hand because when you factor in Israeli time, that was the exact time that the sun was to set in Israel. And when the sun set in Israel at that time, oh my God, in Israel. Oh, that was the beginning of Rosh Hashanah. The beginning of a new year. And do y'all know that 10 days after Rosh Hashanah, it culminates with the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Do you know what day that is? Today. We began this week in Rosh Hashanah. We begin Elevate Conference in 2022 on the Day of Atonement. We began this week with new beginnings. We, We begin this conference with forgiveness, restoration, getting our hearts right with God. Miles Rutherford and Clint Brown have no idea what they're walking into they think they're coming to bring us something ladies and gentlemen they are they're coming to bring us a word but will you agree with me that when they walk in here the holy ghost that's in this house will bring something on them that they need some encouragement that those men of god need that they will feel they will see that the fire of revival is alive in birmingham alabama i'm almost through.
1: This blows my mind.
0: See. It was not enough for Jesus. For his people. And his disciples. To get the revelation. Of salvation. In fact I'm going to blow your mind when I say this. Now these preachers know this. And some of you may know it. But most people don't really think about this. We spend so much time. Preaching the words, you must be born again. And we should. Because that's how you get saved, right? But Jesus only said those words one time. One time. In the middle of the night, in the the darkness, to one man. Nicodemus. Nicodemus crawled over over the barrier in the middle of the night fearing for his life if he was to be seen with this so-called fake Messiah. And said, what must I do to join you and to believe what you believe to be a part of your kingdom? Nicodemus, you must be born again. Notice he never told Peter you must be born again. Because in the teachings of the miracles, it was more than implied. i got to believe that it was broken down around the campfire, don't get me wrong. But when you look at the intentional words that God made sure we had in our Bible. He talked about the kingdom. Everywhere he went. It is important for you, for me, for you to get one thing. If you don't get anything else, I did not come here just so that you could be forgiven.
1: I came here for you to understand what
0: it's like to walk in the kingdom. To be a kingdom man. To be a kingdom woman. To walk in authority. The way you see me walk. Remember what? I believe it was Pilate. Might have been Herod. I can't remember. I think it was Pilate. One of them said, Are you a king? Like they say. I'm paraphrasing. He said, You said it right that I'm a king. But I am not a king in this kingdom. that was my spirit man praying for me that wasn't a message in tongues that was my spirit man building me up for what i'm about to deal with because how many know sometimes you don't know what to pray but the holy spirit when your holy ghost spirit can be found praying for you in groanings that cannot yet be uttered i'll tell you right now Worst thing we ever did was take the Holy Ghost out of our theology. That's how we became the lifeless, anemic, pathetic church that we are today. The winds calmed down and all the people of the church could think about was, we made it. And Jesus was like, I got it guys, everybody just sit down. I got this shield. They begin to go a little further. Now remember, He teaches about the mustard seed. This is where I want you to see yourself. You may think yourself as insignificant and tiny, but when you sow yourself into the kingdom, you become so great that you become a place of influence. You become a place of coverage, of, of protection, of shade. People will come to you in the midst of drought. In, they get in the boat and they have the whole episode of what I just preached. And they still ain't really got kingdom power yet. And, and Jesus, is like, I got this. I got it. Everybody just relax. And as they begin to go across the sea a little bit a little bit longer, I could hear disciples speaking up, going, uh, uh Jesus. Jesus, I, I, I know you got, I know you got the. Tell me what it is again. Rudder. I know you got that rudder in your hand, and, and, I, and we trust you, Lord. But do you see where we're about to land? That's a graveyard. That's a cemetery. And do you not hear the screech? Hey, Labasha. Do you not hear the demon? Will you not think of the little boats? Because they're all going to follow us. Jesus said, I got this. And the Bible says, and I'm not going to read it. They landed in the country of the Gadarenes. They looked up and they realized that now did they land in the, in, the, in the country of the Gadarenes. Jesus had a lot of shoreline in the Gadarenes. He intentionally chose to dock at a cemetery. Right out of the storm. It's the very next story. The Bible says they're freaking out. Jesus, just like when he was asleep in the boat. Y'all watch this. He steps out of the boat. And he just begins to casually walk up. No church service. No, no. let the lion roar, working him up. In fact, he's not even acknowledging the devil. He's not preaching. He's not teaching. He's just present. See, some of you can quote scripture left and right, but it's been so long since you've been in his presence. That the word that you quote has no more life in you. Oh, you cannot replace the word, but you also cannot replace his presence. You better find you a church that has the word, and you better find you a church that has his presence. Because he is the word. So the Bible says that he just gets out of the boat and starts walking, not saying a word. And immediately, a man who lived among the tombs, who had an unclean spirit, ran to him. Ran to him. It describes this man and says no one could bind this demon-possessed man. Not even the chains that they put on it. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him. The shackles were broken in pieces. This was a cemetery littered with pieces of iron and steel and shackles and chains. That people had tried to chain one man. He was so tormented. He snapped them all. And without any provocation, without any invitation, without a single word out of his mouth, he ran to Jesus. Oh God, I hope you get what I'm about to say. Listen. We are in a generation that has been ransacked with the devil by the devil. They don't know anything about God. They don't know anything about church. They don't know how to praise. They don't know who Hillsong is. They don't know who Elevation is. They don't. Come on, y'all, hear me. They don't know any of the things that you are so blessed to know. They don't know anything. All they know is that they are tormented. All they know, they can't explain it. They call it. Now I know there's mental illness. I know there's mental issues. But I'm gonna tell you something. This ramping up of mental issues that came out of nowhere whether they are diagnosed mental issues or not at the core of them is demonic demon spirits that are tormenting our children they are they are possessing our children are y'all hearing me? They are being invited. While parents are doing selfies and filming and laughing while their children are walking up and sliding dollar bills in the stripper pole of a drag queen. Are y'all hearing me? We have been desensitized. We are a demon possessed, demon ran society and the demons have made their way in their church. My God, I believe there's some churches that the devil himself was to come in and walk up to the pulpit. We would shout him down. We wouldn't even know who he was. Know you not that the devil himself can be transformed into an angel of light. No sermon you preach, no three points, no life application, no big giant screens. It's going to get them. He didn't run to the preachers. He didn't run to the chosen one. He didn't run to organized religion.
1: He ran to Jesus.
0: He. I'm not talking about. Somebody who's been praying for revival ran to Jesus. I'm talking about a demon-possessed man that in all of Scripture, would you not agree? Probably the most famous, most powerful demon-possessed man in all of Scripture. Jesus never even had to tell him to come here. He just walked into his world. Hey! Does anybody feel what I feel? How, how many will have church to midnight tonight? If you had to, how many? How many would dance for your family? How many would? How many would shout for your children? How many would fight tonight for your babies? Is there anybody in this church that will fight for your babies? Is there a church left? Is there a church left? Do we value His presence? Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. I'm through, I'm through. I'm about to blow your
1: mind. Who who docks a boat at a cemetery with a demon? Who carries a pillow on a boat when you know it's about to sink?
0: Only Jesus. How I many knows Jesus does things unorthodox? jesus don't do things the way you think he ought to be, do it because if you were able to figure out what he was going to do and how he did it you wouldn't trust god you would trust yourself because you think you knew what god was going to do how I many you know sometimes god would just spit in the mud i was reading today we forget all about the fact that the other one that he healed that was blind and mute that he he laid his hands on his eyes but then he spit on his finger and stuck his finger in her mouth. Smith Wigglesworth, you heard of him, you people would come on him with giant tumors in their belly, and he'd haul off and punch them in the belly, and knock them out. You better know you of God. You punch me in the belly, you punch my wife in the belly, you better you better believe it, you better hope it's God. Because I'm I'm gonna punch back in Jesus' name. Smith-Burgersworth walked into a funeral home, grabbed one of his best friends, pulled him out of the casket, already been embalmed, slammed him up against the wall multiple times. Body just fell, collapsed, slammed him up again. About the 10th, 12th time, he woke up, went back out of the funeral home with it. These are documented facts. But hold up. God did not decide for him to be in this moment. He did you. I pray for all bladders. Peace be still. What matter of man is what manner of preacher that is that even the bladders.
1: <laughs> no. Here it is, here it is. Here's closing point. The people tried to control it, but it couldn't be controlled.
0: See, it looks like it's out of our hands. It looks like the world is gone. It's too far gone. And the truth is, in many ways, nations are gone. They're not coming back. While you long and pray for things to be like they used to be, it's over. People's mindsets have changed. When mindsets change, they don't go back to old ways. They stay in the mindset. I like that the Bible says that not only was he not, he could not be controlled. The Bible literally says he could not be tamed. They treated him like an animal and tried to tame him. He couldn't be tamed. But the Bible said that he would cry out and scream. He would cut himself. Does that sound familiar? An entire generation that when the demons begin to manifest, they cut themselves. But wait a minute, that's not a modern thing. When the prophets of Baal was fighting Elijah on Mount Carmel and they began to call on their God, Baal, that one of the ways that they invited the spirit of Baal to come is by cutting themselves with stones. So the same spirits that was tormenting
1: the man at the Gatherings was the same spirits that was on Mount Carmel. There's nothing new under the sun.
0: There's not a new devil, there's not new demons. There's not a new God. There's not a new gospel. There's not a new call. There's not a new great commission. Come on. It's the same.
1: We are the ones who have accepted compromise.
0: Now listen. He cried out when he came to Jesus. Jesus, Son of the Most High God. How many of those, we might not be able to identify Jesus, but demons can't. He says, I implore you by the, by God that you do not torment me. In other words, he was already being tormented. The reason he ran to him is because just the very presence of Jesus stepping off of the boat was tormenting him. Remember, don't lose sight of this. Jesus is in point three of his sermon on faith. He's at the close, just like I'm at the close of the message. He started with a message on faith. He gave them life application on the Sea of Galilee. And he said, this is what happens when you operate by faith. But now I'm going to show you what happens when you become a kingdom man. You may not know what to say when you walk in the kingdom. You may not know what to preach. You may not be a preacher. You may not know what to quote. But if the Holy Ghost is on you, if you've been with Jesus, when you walk in the room, demons will be tormented. Are y'all hearing me? Jesus began to close this particular sermon. Matthew and Luke gives different account and they, they go a little bit further. Matthew says the demons said, have you come to torment us before our time? Luke's, Luke said the demons begged him that they would command, they would not command him to go into the abyss. In other words, they know what's coming. They know the Word better than we know the Word. They know what their future is. They know what the bottomless pit is. They thought Jesus was about to throw them in the bottomless pit. That's how tormented they were.
1: He said, you come out of that man, you unclean spirit. But, hold up. I'm still preaching to my, to my folks. I need them to understand that this ain't like the guy that had the son that was jumping in the fire.
0: I need them to know that I'm not just because I because he's going to respond the same way the one did that had the boy that jumped in the fire because all demons are subject to me and, and because I'm Jesus. But I need to let them know that there is no big demons to me and there is no many demons to me. There is no big devil to me. The same devil, the same demons bow to me whether they're one or whether they're a million. When I show up, my name is greater. So so he says, "Come out of that man, you unclean spirit." Uh, Hold up, say. For the sake of them, not for me, because I already know you. I can see you right now. Do you think Jesus didn't know who was in there? Do you you think Jesus didn't know how many was in there? You think Jesus didn't know the name that those demons went by? He wasn't asking that for himself. The Bible had already told us that when the Pharisees was talking about it, he heard their thoughts. He knew who was in there. He said, go ahead and tell them what your name is. Oh, shut up. Go ahead and tell them so they'll know. They said, my, this is probably where they said,
1: my name is Legion. For we are many. (gasps)
0: Jesus (laughs) laughed. Yeah,
1: that's pretty good. And he begged him that he would not send him out. the
0: put that scripture up I want him to see it mark chapter 5 verse 10 he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of
1: the what? because
0: what was inside that man Legion Legion somebody said Legion Legion is defined in the the Strong's Concordance as 6,826 men at that time. 6,100 foot soldiers and 726 horsemen. He used the Roman definition of legion to tell there is almost 7,000 demons in this man. You got 7,000 demons in you, you'll break any chain. You can't be held. But inside there, was a principality.
1: Because you don't have 7,000 demons inside of a man unless the demon that's in
0: charge of that region is in there too. So the one that was talking was not this almost 7,000 demons. It was the principality. We'll let you do whatever you want to do, but I'm asking one favor of you. Lucky thought. Because you know, the devil gets so full of himself sometimes. He thinks he can talk to God like that. He said, but I just need one favor of you.
1: I'll come out. But don't run me out of my country. My region. This is mine.
0: Oh, you're coming out.
1: And this region and this country will never be the same after today. I'm here. Not just for this man. I'm here for your country. I'm about to
0: blow your mind. When they realize, and the principality realize, I have no word, I have no authority here. I'm coming out. It's so interesting, and we love to preach it. He says, if you're going to cast me out, cast me into these pigs. There were thousands of pigs there. Was it 3,000? I can't remember. 3,000 pigs? Two thousand? Two thousand pigs. So all those almost seven thousand demons split themselves among two thousand pigs. And the pig said, We don't want you either. And the pig said, I ain't I ain't got no authority to cast you out, but I'm if this is what my life's gonna be like, no, somebody gonna be eating bacon tonight. And two thousand pigs made sausage over the cliff.
1: Now here's the interesting the Bible says that when they came out he was completely of a sound mind.
0: Just like that. I'm talking about it wasn't a progressive miracle Roger. It was like a man if you can imagine had 7,000 demons in him
1: and he was perfect. And he looked at himself he was let me let me break it down for you. He was completely naked.
0: Because a man that's
1: tormented and pulled chains off him ain't gonna keep clothes on. He's standing for Jesus. All his disciples didn't ever care about his dirty, naked body. Now he looks down, just like in the garden. He realizes, Oh my god, I don't even have any clothes on. And he says, Jesus. Jesus Jesus says,
0: now watch this, he gets off the boat y'all, this is for somebody in here, if, it, if you don't get nothing else to rest this week, this is going to help somebody Jesus goes through a storm Jesus rebukes the winds and the waves and he guides a boat to a graveyard walks out and has this magnificent story, casts the demons into the pigs, turns right around and gets back in the boat and says let's go boys it's exactly what your scriptures say In other words, I've done what i come to do. And as he's getting back in the boat, the whole storm, everything was about that graveyard. That was the closing of the sermon on faith and kingdom. He said,
1: I'm going to show you something, how this works. It's not about you. When God does the, the biggest thing that brings preachers down is when God begins to use them on this magnitude, they begin to read their own press clippings and they begin to think that it's all about them. It's just not about you. Watch this. He says, Jesus, son of man,
0: please let me come with you. I want to get in the boat with you wherever you go. I want to be with you. No one's ever changed my life. I want to be with you. And Jesus says, no.
1: I didn't come here to bring you back with me.
0: I came here to send you back home. He said, no, no, no. You're going back home. You're going back home. Oh glory to God!
1: Bible says this, and I finish. I want to
0: read it so you'll hear it. Not be my words.
1: Go home to your friends and tell them the great things that the Lord has done for you and how
0: He had compassion on you. Tell them. Eyes. I didn't even get time to know him. But all I know is that he brought people not just in his boat but when the scales fell off my eyes I looked out into the water and it was filled with people watching me in little boats. They had all been watching it all. He shut I don't know how to preach about him. No one ever loved me like that. No one ever had compassion. Instead of trying to chain me up, he cared about me. I could feel it. I could feel his compassion. He says, this is what you got to do. And the Bible says in verse 20, he departed and he went back to Decapolis. The place of how many cities pastor ten cities and told all into the Kepolis what Jesus had done for him and all marveled
1: now it ain't but 916 tomorrow night trust me it's going to be later 916 when we get to this point this is Miles Rutherford job that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a commendation not a condemnation I must tell you this i must tell you what i found today you must hear this as i studied the decapolis
0: and the ten city region the talmud and the writings of the church fathers and i quote believe that the people that belonged in the ten cities were the remnants of the seven pagan Canaanite nations that were actually driven out of the Promised Land by Joshua? In the Israelites, those that dwelled in Jericho that was driven out had come to live and set up camp in the Decapolis. These nations, watch this. Is there any re, is there any shock that he cut himself? Because the nation of the Decapolis, the ten cities of the Decapolis God, anybody want to t- take a chance on guessing what their God was? The God of Baal. The same God that caused them to cut themselves on Mount Carmel was the God of Decapolis. Now listen to this, how it applies today. They were known for the evil the evil sexual perversions of the Canaanites and were famous for sexually assaulting and bringing into their perversion children. And one of the main things that the worshipers of Baal in the Decapolis did was sacrifice and murder their children as an act of worship. Are y'all hearing me? So do we ever hear about Decapolis again? Mark chapter 7. The Bible says, Again. Somebody shout again. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, if it's on the screen. Mark 7, 31. He came through the midst of... Of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. The first time he came to the country, to the nation of the Decapolis, he got out of the Sea of Galilee and walked into the nation. The second time he came, he walked right through the nation on the way to the sea. And watch what the Bible says happened they begin to bring to Him those who were deaf and had an impediment of speech. They begged Him to put His hands on them. He took them aside from the multitude. Here's the one I was talking about. He put His fingers in their ears. He spat and touched His tongue. Then looking up to heaven, He sighed and said to them, Ephatha, be open." You have a nation who was pagan sacrificing children cutting themselves known as the most evil region in the world in just a few verses they're running to Jesus with their sick children they're running to Jesus with the blinded eyes they're, they're grabbing his hand and slapping it on his head why how could the couple the, the couple has changed so quickly the man of the tombs. It is sad. One thing that's sad about theology is how certain people get labeled names in the Bible. Doubting Thomas. Thomas goes on to be be one of the greatest men of God to ever live. What would you say?
1: The demoniac
0: of the Gadarene.
1: The demon.
0: The man among the tombs.
1: For thousands of years. That's what he's known as. But Jesus. Didn't have to wait to get to heaven. To see that different man. He did ministry with him. In the streets. Of the country. In the region of Decapolis. That's why the demon said. Don't cast me out of my country. But when he cast that, that devil legion. He removed the principality and the hold over the Decapolis. And when he sent that man back into his city, he sent him back into a city and into a moment, watch this, where the heavens had been brass, but were no longer can I tell you something you need to hear this in 2022 you need to hear this
0: remnant church for 70 years we we preached under a closed heaven because we murdered children are you hearing me for 70 years as a nation our prayers could not make it up because we sanctioned the murder of unborn children but in the midst of all of this chaos in the midst of the storm in the midst of the world being turned upside down something happened that nobody saw coming Are y'all hearing me? Nobody saw it coming. Out of nowhere, we start getting alerts on our phone. Roe v. Wade is overturned. Roe v. Wade is overturned. My God, are y'all hearing me? It's like God just lifted the principality of Mulligan Bell and said, now I've given you the nation. What will you do with it? Somebody shout, yeah! On your feet, what will you do with it? I've been telling my church, take ownership of this moment. If you could look into the heavenlies when that ruling went down, you want to think you think that wasn't a big deal? Oh, don't give me this mess. States can still have abortions. I understand that, and that's true. But if you thought they let me, you want to know what a big deal it is. All you ever hear, all you ever see is people still protesting. Our president, the father supposedly of this nation, this week once again for about the 10th time signed another proclamation this morning to protect, watch what he called abortion, contraception. He called abortion contraception. Do you know contraception is a pill that you take to keep from getting pregnant? Contraception is not to get pregnant and then kill the baby. But we have a government and we have, we have political figures who are endorsing this. I'm telling you I'm not telling you to be a Republican I'm not telling you to be a Democrat but by God you better wake up and you better make a decision that if you cannot support somebody that still is operating sanctioning and promoting the God of Moloch the God that put the man in the tombs let me tell you what it's going to take stay on your feet it's going to take some demon possessed people being set free it's gonna, it's gonna take, it's gonna take some. See, so I have about that blind man that Jesus put the mud on his face. They, they said things like this. Well, it looks like him. Not sure if it's really him because we've never seen him in that state. He's always been blind. Well, it looks like the guy that used to be naked, and screaming and tormenting us. We couldn't get sleep now because he's howling at the moon. I mean, he's he's look like a werewolf out there. Looks like him. Even sort of sounds like it. But he's not screaming. He's got a piece about it. You know, when, 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 uh, what's that dude's name that died that had Apple? Steve Jobs. When Steve Jobs would, would reveal the iPhone and all this kind of stuff, he was notorious for finishing up. Everybody's clapping. Everybody's about to go. They begin to expect it at some point, but he'd say, wait a minute. There's just one more thing. And then he would drop the shocker that nobody knew coming, technology. So now, even to this day, they still do it. Even the guy that took over, they still, in his honor, they'll say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. One more thing.
1: Everybody waits for it now. It's just one more thing that you got to get before you go home.
0: it is believed by many theologians and has been written in ancient texts that when Jesus was teaching the story of the prodigal that it was known that when the prodigal ran away from his father's house he ran to the Gadarenes Because there was only one place that you would have the option
1: to eat the slop left over from the swine. Jesus was still preaching the power of the testimony of the man in the tombs. He said there was a boy who left it all and he ran to the place that you all know is full of demons full of unclean animals and he forsook everything he opened himself up to every demon spirit that was there and those demon spirits promised him everything when he ran out of his money he found himself with the pigs of the gathering so what's this what happened when the man got free in the tomb the bible said he became of a peaceful and sound mind and he finally saw himself the way God sees him. The Bible said that the prodigal was eating the sloth. And while he's eating the sloth, he remembered his father's house. And the Bible says in one translation, and he came to himself. He all of a sudden, something happened. Something touched him. Something got him. Because here's what got him. While he thought the father had forsook him. While he thought the father had moved on. While he's eating the slop. At that same moment, the father is out at the edge of the field saying, God, wherever my son.
0: Show him no matter how bad it is. Show him that I love him no matter how far he's gone. Show him.
1: God, he needs you to touch his mind. Because
0: he can't see himself the way I see him.
1: He thinks he's dead to me. The Bible says. When he came to his mind, when you look it up in the original, it literally says this, "Bow." And he stood up and something hit him. And the Bible just simply says this. He changed his mind. And he turned. No preacher touched him. No sermon was preached. In the midst of the Gadarenes. I know it was a parable. Who knows? Who knows the origin of this man that was in the gallery? Who knows that he, if he didn't come from a family of wealth? Jesus knew exactly who he was getting off the boat
0: to reach. How do you go back to a city of that much influence and affect that much influence when you're just some stupid dummy redneck that got delivered from God? No, they knew who he was. I believe that he came from a powerful family. And the whole story of the prodigal was because he the way it ended, I believe it was based on a man who thought he had it all. And he left it all. And he, enc- he opened himself up to demonic spirits. And he became possessed. Could it be? Could it be? Gospel according to Larry. That when he's telling the story of the prodigal because he knew the ending. He knew the moment. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father.
1: And when the, when the prodigal changed his mind and ran back, he said, I'll say to my, I say, he said to himself, I'll go to my father's house and beg him to let me just be a slave or a servant in his house. I'm not worthy. What happened? Jesus ran to him. The Father ran to him. The difference between the gatherings and the way it is with us. Is once Jesus sees us turn, you gotta spend the rest of your life trying to find your way home. Are y'all hearing me?
0: I don't care how backslidden, how far you've walked away from God. You you don't have to go on some long journey to get back. Just stop, turn around, put your hand out, and there you'll feel it. He never left you. He'll kill the fatted calf for you. He'll put a robe on your back. He'll put a ring on your finger. Something my daddy put a ring on mine because he was proud of me. He saw something in me. That I never thought I'd ever see it myself. You put it on my head. You said, This represents what I see in you.
1: My son was dead. He's alive again. Put back, right back where he left off. The prodigal son. Man in the tomb. Same story. He told him, he said, Don't just go back and tell him you were delivered. Go back and tell him about the man who had compassion on you.
0: Father, I know what I did. I know I left you. I know I forsook you. I know I've caused you all kinds of pain. Don't kill me. Don't kill me.
1: Come
0: here. I've been waiting for this day ever since the moment you left. Come on, let's go eat.
1: It's time, church. It's time to call the prodigals
0: home. Let me tell you, some of them are are in some serious mess, some are in some serious darkness. You have to do some warfare. Some of you are going to have to get in some boats, and you have to go through some storms to get to them. See, he never got to the gathering, man if he didn't go through the storm. But see, but see my God knew what was coming. He, he didn't just knew the storm was coming. He knew the most powerful demon in the world was coming. And what was he doing? He even brought his own pillow.
1: He said, let me tell you something. I don't care if you're a child. And sit in the middle of a pentagram full of candles and tattooed a
0: pentagram on their forehead and prayed to Satan and went into. I'm being graphic with you because this has happened to some of our kids. And laid on their on their back fully naked and believed that Satan had sex with them. Let me, let me tell you, there's a reason why that cartoon's out right now called Little Demon. And you think the concept, the concept, the concept is just so wild. Why would anybody believe it? The concept is that Satan had relations with a woman and had a baby, and the baby is a girl and she's the Antichrist. It's a cartoon. There are people who, t- who say they lay down at night and demons have sex with them. I'm talking about you can have sex with a demon. You can have sex with the devil himself. You, I don't care how far you're, you're gone. Jesus walks in. One moment in that that child, one moment in God's presence, one moment uh, around somebody that's been with Jesus. I tell you, it don't matter. I don't matter because God doesn't just come to deliver it, God comes with compassion. Hey, you know what? There are going to be people preaching on this platform. They ain't had time yet to get the tent pentagram covered up. They ain't had time yet to get the naked woman with the boobs hanging out off of us. He's wearing long sleeves, doing the best he can. You caught him cutting grass. He got a naked boob woman on the side. He's trying his best to, co- he didn't have the money to even cover it up, but yet he's speaking in tongues. He's trying his best to raise the money to cover it up. Pig sloth. Slop. To a whole city
1: being so changed. He became a voice in the wilderness. One man. He prepared the way of the Lord. He prepared the way of the Lord. The spirit of Elijah, the anointing of John the Baptist was on him. Because he prepared the gatherings for Jesus to come back. He knew when he got in that boat he was coming back. This time he didn't have to walk around finding people. They were running to him. Because it was in their mind, they was like, My God, that's the man that the guy told us about. Just grab his hand. Just touch his garment. Come on, do you hear me? Just touch the hem of his garment. Do whatever you got to do to get around him. That's what this week is. That's why I don't care if I preach three hours. I don't care. Because my assignment is to set to the stage for what is coming and that is this jesus is walking in this room